This podcast is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app. So you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Stores. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Welcome to 5000 to 1, the Athletics Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me as ever is former Leicester City captain Matt Elliott. Hi Matt, how are you doing? Good Rob, thanks, yeah. And uh, how's the winter break been for you? You had much of a break, you've been getting (laughs) some sun, you've been off to Dubai. Oh no, I'm not that lucky. Unfortunately, I've had to uh, put up with the stormy weather here in England and... uh, yeah, it's, tough. it's been a tough campaign for me this year, Rob. You know, I've needed time to switch <laughs> off and spend time with the family and get away from it all. But I'm ready and roaring and looking forward to the, uh, the final surge, the final push at the end of the season. But uh, yeah, no, just off relaxing, having a, having a nice switch off. And it, it, it literally is, you know, love watching football, love being interested in and around it. But uh, it's nice just to branch off elsewhere, isn't it? And have you had football-free week then, have you? Not been watching anything or you still been watching the games? Uh, just keeping a little, you know, a little brief over what's been going on, but uh, not in any great detail. As I say, spend a bit of time with family and friends and uh, yeah, it's been very nice, actually. Uh, not quite as expansive as the players would do, jetting off here, there and everywhere. Eating gold leaf steak and all that? No, 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 no. <laughs> not, not quite up my street, but... Um, no, fair play to the players. I mean, they get a little bit of stick. Sometimes they need to be a bit careful, don't they, maybe, on what they put out on social media, you know, rubbing things in people's faces, even subconsciously, really. But uh, no, they, they need a break, don't they? And, and why not? You know, enjoy enjoy the uh, the fruits of your labour, as they say. Well, I'm glad everybody else has been having a, a little break and a little breather, but I've been uh, particularly busy. I've been here, there and everywhere over the last well, four well, I was going to ask you, sorry, yeah. it's remiss of me not to inquire... <laughs> About your well-being, but as usual, I just took it for granted. I know <laughs> yeah, I'm you're going to be busy. busy yeah. yeah, I went down to Winchester to the offices of IBM, uh, the technology boffins from uh, the states, and um, I saw a bit on this. Yeah. yeah, looking at their AI, the artificial intelligence and virtual reality technology, which could be coming into the game soon to enhance the data analytics that's uh, very much prevalent in the game today and helping players and I tried on this uh, headset which I could go into a game I could go back into the Liverpool Leicester game from a couple of years ago the 1-1 draw Anfield and I could stand next to Ricardo Pereira as Sadio Mane came flashing past me to open the score in then I could stand on Alisson's line and watch how he dealt with the ball that came in from Maguire to equalise it was fascinating to see the technology did did you get a feel in that instance that Mane goal did you get a feel of his exactly, was it like real life pace? They used the GPS data from the game because um, obviously they can record exactly how fast and uh, where the players ran yeah. to reproduce it. And uh, it was absolutely fascinating to see how fast it was. It was mm. a flash. The ball w- went oh, past me. It, with they? they are. I mean, one minute Pereira's uh, been pulled out of position. The Mane's come through and Damari Gray sort of tried to cover him. Yeah. And the ball's flashed past and before I know it, it's in the net. And it was just 
really but, well, that's, enlightening. That's how quick it is, literally. Yeah, it is. I remember Johnny Evans was, what, quarter of a yard away from intercepting that ball. Just got it slightly wrong in a flash. Mane's through. That's the one nil down. And all, they showed me all the, the data analysis as well. So you can, um, using a system called Watson, so you could uh, look at any sort of situation in a game. So Jamie Vardy could go in to training and just type in uh, or even speak and say, show me all my right foot shots, show me all my left foot shots, show me all my runs that, uh, that are... And, and it's been used across sport at the moment. And it's Watson, what's that? It's called Watson. Sherlock Holmes and <laughs> yeah. Watson, is it? I'm not sure why they called it Watson, but that's the programme. And they used it with Leatherhead FC and... Um, they were near the relegation zone when they came in and they all the players bought into it and started looking at their own data as well and their own specifics and they shot up the table and almost reached the playoffs that season so I think there's certainly something about it and I think in the future we're going to see that develop but it, yeah. it, it made me wonder what was technology like in your playing day <laughs> Matt? I know it wasn't that far ago technology, was it? Well it was long enough I mean for the large part of my career I, I don't remember any digital technology put it that way but um not that i was one to particularly pick up on that aspect of things but the the first thing that springs in my mind was it was towards the end of my career i was about 35 years of age the first time i came across it was i was actually on loan at ipswich town joe royal was the manager willie willie donaghy was the assistant and they used to do a post-match analysis something that was new to me and i you know, was a little bit alien and i was not unreceptive to it, but a little bit sceptical. I was thinking, oh, no, I'm going to get shown up here. It's all a little bit of that. You know, you're thinking, well, what's it going to make me look like? Um, you know, is it going to be realistic, etc.? But the, the thing I found intriguing was, and uh, at the time, I was quite proud of this fact, and I was quite alarmed by it initially. But they did a post-match analysis. We played a game. We, we were top end of the championship there. They had a good young side. Darren Bent was up top, and... Uh, Dean Bowditch, a player that some people might remember. Lots of good young players. Jim Chilton in the middle of midfield, etc. So we were dominant in games. But to my absolute surprise and amazement, I was the player that had covered the most ground within 90 minutes against this particular team. And I remember all the lads looking around at me and they were as shocked as I was. And I was like, what? How have I, I covered almost like half a kilometre more than anyone else. It was quite a lot. But then we worked out what it was. We'd had about 20 corners. I was playing as a centre-half. Every time we had a corner, I just trundled up about five miles an hour. There, back, was it 150 yards run every time, times 20. That's the best part of three kilometres on top of my normal <laughs> uh, normal outgoing. So I'd run something like 11 kilometres in the whole game. But... No one told you it was at a snail's pace. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure it's developed by by now um, the way it's moved on from that. But uh, GPS as well. They all wear their GPS vests, oh. aren't they, as well? Any yeah. experience of GPS technology? Um, not myself. From memory, perhaps I should have worn it a few times and I didn't. Right at the end of my career, they were just coming in properly. I do remember a, a good friend of mine, an ex-teammate of mine, Ian Marshall, who was at Leicester, Everton, Ipswich Town, again, uh, amongst others. But on this occasion, he was actually at Bolton Wanderers, and he'd gone there under Sam Allardyce. Sam Allardyce is quite well known for being an encourager of, of technology to come in. And um, he used to he used to put the, the heart monitors on all the lads, yeah, as a matter of course, every day. But Ian Marshall was still living in Leicester, playing for Bolton, so he used to get a couple of days off occasionally uh, on a regular occurrence. So say 
an extended weekend. So we give him Monday and Tuesday off. But he said, Ian, take the heart monitor. He's like, do that. Do a little bit of a personal program. Keep yourself ticking over. A little bit of fitness won't do you any harm. You can stay at home. Marcy was about 36 at the time. And he was like, yeah, okay, this sounds good. So did it two days later. Turns it up on the Wednesday. Gave it to the analysts. On the Thursday, Ian Marshall gets a call from Sam Allardyce. He said, I need to see you in the office. And he's like, what's up gaffer and he said well the analysts have said that there's some really uh, unusual readings that are coming across and in fact slightly concerning and he said well, what do you mean like and he said well there's frenzied activity around the two o'clock three o'clock uh, period of the day where for an hour you've gone absolutely berserk overextended yourself and then for the next 14 hours your heart rate's down way below base level and he said how do you account for that and Marshy's looked at a bit of a, a wry face and a little bit of a smile and a smirk. Tell me the truth, Marshy. Marshy went, okay. Then he said, I strapped it to the dog. <laughs> Put it on his pet dog's chest. Sent him out in the field. Went berserk for an hour and then slept in the basket for 14 and took the reading in. So that was the end of Marshy's two days off a week. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Well, uh, as well as doing the IBM VR and AI and all that stuff in Winchester, I went over to Belgium last week. Initially, I went up to Antwerp to interview Richie Delat. You can read that feature now on The Athletic. And uh, How's he doing? Yeah, it was great to catch up with him. I mean, what a fantastic career. I mean, it's, it's almost gone full circle. Started in Antwerp. He's an Antwerp boy. Began his career with Warren Joyce at Antwerp when they had that big connection yeah, yeah, yeah. with Man United. And uh, he told me some great stories about trying to play under Tony Pulis and uh, getting... Emphasis on trying. Trying to play. Like, yeah, he picked up the ball and bombed forward, beat a couple of people, put a cross into the box. Bulis stopped the session and said, no, 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 we don't do that here, lad. We really? don't do that here. Really? No, you just play, play the ball in the channels and that's all, that's all we want from mm. you. But, but then to go to Man United and playing um, a youth team that had so many great players. And I mean, we've got Johnny Evans here, haven't we? And we, Matty James and Danny Drinkwater was in there. You forget how Richie Delay, don't you? Because he didn't appear... Certainly not too often, did he? First team, but no, he did a, a initially. Lot of those the first couple who've of years. got that grounding at Man United go on to do well, don't they? Well, that that connection between Leicester and Man United was there very early on under yeah. Nigel Pearson because we saw Danny and Matty come in. But he's had a great career. I mean, it was obviously the day that uh, he won the Premier League title, picked up his Premier League title medal. Yeah. I know he was bombed out to uh, to Middlesbrough on loan. Didn't really want to go there at first, but that worked out as well because he got promotion on the same day and he picked up two medals yeah. in a day. That can't have happened too many times before, <laughs> and suddenly. Won't do uh, in the future, will it? But yeah, incredible achievement that. Uh, but I think the bit, the big part for him was Melbourne going down to on loan to Melbourne, and he just fell in love with the place. I think he wants to relocate his family there when his playing days are over. You ever been to Australia? Matt? Never been, never been. I certainly intend to. My daughter went not so long ago, you know, travelling, and she was working on Bondi Beach on the front there in a hotel, and absolutely loved it. Everything about everything you hear about Australia entices you to want to go doesn't it I think it's the lifestyle you know it's the sun the weather the, yeah, the, the beach life the people yeah they're relaxed aren't they yeah, like you say, work hard play hard I think Yeah, other than of course you know, recently they've had their troubles with the fires which have been horrendous but you know general day to day yeah, standard living it's one of the best places to be by all accounts I'd love to sample it sometime well, after I dealt with uh, Richie and did the interview with Richie, I went down to Leuven uh, to catch up with the uh, Leicester City fans. Out, I you? did. I, I, was busy. I was busy over the weekend. And uh, we had a great time over the weekend. Went to watch Leuven play Lommel, which was a big game for them. They're going for promotion to the top tier of Belgian football. And uh, It's an unusual format out there, isn't it? They have two half seasons. Yes, they have something. phase one, phase two. And Leuven won phase one. 
And if they win phase two as well, they automatically go up. If right. they don't, they're automatically in a playoff. But they could effectively sack it off in the second half. And still be in the playoff. And then, right, we'll get it together at the end of the season. But I suppose the incentive's there, isn't it, to win it? Yeah, exactly. But it, I think the Leicester fans loved it. They were very well treated. And Leuven are owned by King Power, who also own Leicester City. So they're trying to follow the similar sort of blueprint because yeah. uh, Leicester were in the second Be- Beautiful tier. place as well, wasn't it? It was brilliant. And it's the home of Stella Artois. Well, I've, got, I've got to ask. Uh, yeah. yes. Did so you go we, to the factory? We went to the factory, had a look around as well. It was, a, it was good and uh, really good. And unfortunately... Storm Cara came in when we all tried to get home. That caused right. a bit of an issue. Oh, I well, think, you had to stay in the factory a few hours long. Oh, yeah. That's the, always the, uh, the flip <laughs> side of it, isn't it? But I think it took the fans an extra 24 hours to get home because of uh, Storm Cara. I was on Eurostar, so I got back. So it was a great trip, mate. Yeah, Calais not a great night out, is it? No, I can't imagine it is. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine it is. This athletic podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic. Fill in a style quiz and tell us about your personal style, budget, size and shape and your clothing needs and wants. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each handpicked especially for you from our selection of 100 brands, including established names and up and coming designers. Try on everything at home and style with other items in your wardrobe. You can then pay for what you love and send back the rest. For your stylist time, you pay a charge of just £10, which is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. Remember, you try before you buy. Delivery and returns are free both ways, and you don't need a subscription to sign up. Get started with Stitch Fix today and support our podcast by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X dot co dot UK forward slash athletic. Looking ahead now, the football's coming back uh, this Friday off to Wolves. Uh, a new sign-in at Leicester City, Ryan Bennett, centre-half. I know we discussed some of the other targets yeah. um, that Leicester City were lining up in previous podcasts. We've got the lad Ryan in from Wolves. Obviously not eligible to play because he's only on loan initially, but um, got a lot of pedigree, hasn't he, from Norwich, his, his time at Norwich as well. So yeah. what have you made of him? No, he's, he's a steady campaigner, isn't he? I think that's probably the way, you know, the bracket you put him in at this moment I hope that's not a harsh assessment but um, it, it's an unusual one isn't it because yeah, arrivals in a you know, similar area within the league in, within your division are allowing him to come to you I know you can't play against them but um, you know hopefully it will serve Leicester benefit and, and do well which could be to the detriment of Wolverhampton yeah. ultimately so it is an unusual one and I suppose you do ask the question why are they allowing him to go but whenever I've seen him play he's done ex- exceptionally well uh, especially as you say that the background that he's got I mean, a lot of people maybe considered him a championship player uh, Wolves coming up into the Premier League equation and you thought maybe he will be not cast aside but one who who may be edged out um, that obviously seems to have been the case down the line but it, but it's, it's taken a while He's played his fair share of games, hasn't he? And done very well. So it'll be a good, solid addition for Leicester City, you would imagine. They need that cover. Something that Brendan Rodgers is looking at. Benkovic going out on loan. And it probably suits all parties. And 
who knows? You know, if he comes in, does get the opportunity, performs well, he might earn himself a longer contract. Uh, your former teammates, you and Robertson, Darren Eady, uh, know him from his time mm. at Norwich. Have you spoken to them at all about him? Got uh, a bit of a lowdown on him? Very briefly. Spoke to Ewan last week. Was doing a bit of media work with him. Basically, sort of reendorse what I thought about him. Really, you know, good, steady Eddie defender. Um, doesn't let anyone down. Seems to have a good, solid, professional attitude. Good character around the place as well. All these attributes come into the equation, don't they? Absolutely. It also gives um, Brendan the opportunity now to explore three at the back, which he's tinkered yeah. with a few times as well. Gives a few options. Yeah, also he's got, you know, Solentry and Evans, his mainstay partnership. But as you say, he's got that flexibility. Um, Where's Morgan? Has suffered a couple of minor injuries, although uh, by and large his, his durability is still, still there, I feel. But yeah, there are four very decent centre-halves. There, you've got Christian Fuchs as backup as well, who can play on the left-hand side of a three if required. And I'm sure there will be times when Brendan does employ a back three, as he has done intermittently throughout the season, if not from the start of games, but to see games out. Um, Friday night may well be one of those occasions because you can imagine it being a tight affair against Wolves. Wolves play a back three. Um, you know, might go like for like in the latter stages at least if Leicester are in a half-decent position. What do you think of this last phase, this last third of the season now? There's so much to play for, isn't there, with Champions yeah. League and the FA Cup against Birmingham City as well? Yeah, great times. It's obviously disappointment the Carabao Cup going out on the semi-final stage, but you, know, you look at that and when you get that deep into competitions, of course there's frustration when it doesn't go to plan, but it's almost a bonus really, a cup competition, when you've got... Leicester performing at the level that they are, the top three, stroke four in the Premier League. You know that that is their ultimate ambition and ultimate target. Really, the cups, big as they are, you know, wonderful as they are to compete in, are in my mind a bonus. It's the bread and butter is the Premier League. If they can get a Champions League position, what an incredible achievement it would be. And I think Leicester, you know, it's the crunch time of the season, always is. But uh, yeah, people are saying, oh, Leicester need to look over their shoulder a bit. Two tough games coming up against Wolves, Man City. Obviously, in an ideal world, they pick up something from both those games. And I think if they do so, they'll put themselves in tremendous stead for the, for the finish off of the campaign. But even if it didn't go to plan, you know, I, I think Leicester have got to remind themselves, I'm sure Brendan will do his duty, but just get that message across to the players. Boys, you're here for a reason because you're good players in a good side and a well-structured outfit and uh, I think the pressure is as much on if you can flip it round in a converse way on the teams chasing you know some of those teams are expected to be certainly in and around the top four or closer than they are now the Tottenham's um, Arsenal definitely Man United all of them they should be in the top four never mind uh, hopefully going to put some pressure on the likes of Leicester City. But Leicester City, whenever they come up against these teams, for instance, Wolves on Friday, Leicester beat Wolves on Friday. That's them out of the Champions League equation, effectively, in my mind. Certainly in terms of being a threat to Leicester. So Leicester have got that incentive. But Leicester go and lose on Friday night. They go, OK, all right, the gap's down to nine points now. You know, it's not a bad position. It's a nice position to be in. Um, and be positive and forthright have conviction about yourselves rather than being sensitive looking over your shoulder. What have you made of Wolves? Because they've had a fantastic impact in the Premier League since they came up from the Championship. But obviously we know the blueprint they've got there with uh, the, the Portuguese influence there and certainly got some great players as well with Jimenez and Martinho and some great Neves. Some great players. No, that's right. And Traore's 
found his feet now, At hasn't last. he? We've been waiting that yeah, for well, years, exactly. haven't we? What, what an enigma he's been for a long period of time. But now he, you know, he's frightening the life out of defenders, isn't he? I, you know, I, I don't think any defender can say hand on heart that they're looking forward to that proposition. And it's more like oh, deep breath and hope you get through it okay, isn't it? But um, yeah, they've got they've got quality, haven't they? They work hard as a unit. They've got a nice style of play. Uh, the manager's done exceptionally well, hasn't he? And I, I think West Midlanders and black country folk are, are quite happy to uh, to forego any sort of development via the youth team and the academy or local boys make good if um, bringing in the players from foreign shores is going to produce the level of football that they, they're experiencing there because you know they're not only easy on the eye, but they're performing, aren't they? And, in some contexts, similar to Leicester as well. I think the way that they've um, stuck at it this campaign, I think, is even more impressive than last year. Being involved in the Europa League. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the Europa they, they League. They struggled a bit early on, didn't they? It was affecting their league form. You thought, here we go, same old story. It's a bit like Burnley again. But uh, they've turned it round, kept a consistency of performance, which you have to tip your hat to. Absolutely. It's going to be a mouth-watering game. I'm looking forward to that one. There's always a good atmosphere at Molyneux as well. Yeah. Especially with a, a bit of a Midlands derby as well. Yeah, goals raining in last season, weren't they? Yeah. 4-3. Uh, oh, I remember. Oh, yeah, that was, was an amazing game. Was it 19, 18 years or so ago when we were 3-0 up? We lost 4-3. Can't believe I'm bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll skip away from that. But yeah, last year was a great game. Um, I, I think it'll be entertaining again. Two good footballing teams, as it was... Leicester Chelsea here at the King Power two weekends ago. Um, I expect a similar sort of tempo game, uh, high level game, but very competitive. Finally, uh, Matt, I've got to ask you Dan Gosling has uh, caused a bit of furore by uh, criticising referee John Moss and accusing him of being dis- disrespectful to the players with some of his comments towards the players. Now, we don't know what's been said on yeah, that. Yeah, but- wasn't it? It was being levelled at. You're in spot of bother this, yeah, this yeah. season or whatever. You know, yeah, about their league that. position and all that. Yeah, but it just made me wonder what on earth goes on on the pitch. What what is said between players and uh, officials, and what, where is the line? Uh, yeah. where, 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 for, for both parties, for no, the players right. and the referee, where is the line? Yeah, it's not all one way. And I think I don't know. On the face, of it, we don't know the details. But on the face of it, it seems a little bit petty from from Gosling's point of view. I would say. I think. Uh, you know, he's got more important... John Moss, if his quotes are correct, they've got more important things to worry about, haven't they, than what the referee says. And you get a little bit touchy and you take umbrance, don't you, when you're in that pressurised position and things aren't going well. But um, it seems a bit of a mountain out of a molehill, I must admit, at the moment. You know, a little bit of deflection techniques going on. But out there, when you're playing a bit... I mean, as I was always vice-captain, stroke-captain, whatever club I played at. So I was always trying to sort of play along and control the referee, really. You know, I'd be friendly to him one minute, but then I'd put a bit of a squeeze on. Hey, I wouldn't call them by their names. It was ref. I was never that personally involved. But you hear it regularly now, don't you? You can hear, hear little snapshots, whether it's, you know, audio or video footage and... They're calling John Moss, John, and yeah. etc. First name terminology. I'm thinking, hang on, that's a bit familiar. We we never used to like it because the refs sometimes would use it um, to players. Now most people think that's probably all right, but it showed a bit of differentiation. For say we were playing, for for example, against Man United, they're calling Ryan Giggs Ryan, and they're calling me number eighteen because they don't know my name. Eighteen like, blue. And like, hang on, you didn't call Ryan Giggs that. You know, it's like. <laughs> Old Powell's act or whatever. So you, put, you call that into question. 
So you can you can point that out to the ref and correct them. So there's ways you can sort of affect them a little bit. And I mm. used to I used to moan a bit, but not too much. Yeah. But yeah. I, then I'd say, you know, if someone had made three fouls from the opposition, I'd let them know in case the referee hadn't clocked it. You know, that's his third foul now. He's, he's got to be looking at, looking at yellow soon, hasn't he? Yeah, just put it in their head. Yeah, yeah, little yeah. Little things like that. Hopefully, you know, just give it that nth degree, um, more chance of getting a decision later on in the game maybe. But... Generally, I, I, I didn't come across anything that was untoward. I remember David Ellery one time when I was playing for Oxford, who's, I think he's, is he high up in the... He was, yeah. He was, and yeah. I think he's moved on to Pastors Anew, but he was like public schoolboy headmaster, wasn't he? And he was having a, I have to be honest, I know it was only my opinion, he was having an exceedingly bad game. <laughs> he was getting so many crucial decisions wrong. And he, but he, I was going on at him a bit, and I bet surely, surely not. And he's like, in the end, he flipped, didn't he? And he started effing and blinding at me. I went, whoa, <laughs> you're talking to me like that, the headmaster. I said, I don't know where your pupils. I said, don't want me to report that, do you? And he's like, uh, mm. <laughs> um, he sort of bit his tongue, but he was fuming with me, you could tell. In that instance, he actually worked against me because he, he, was, he was angry with me and he gave everything against me, so... That's a bit of mismanagement from me, it was. It's best to keep them on side then, eh? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You'll play the game a bit. Brilliant, Matt. Well, thank you very much for joining us on 5,000 to 1 uh, this week. Thank you very much, Matt. We'll be back uh, next week when we'll reflect, hopefully, on a Leicester victory at Wolverhampton Wanderers and uh, look at the state of play in the Premier League as well. For ad-free podcasts, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic and listen through the app. You can get a 40% discount now by using the code LEICESTERPOD. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.